0: Our Father, what a wonderful reminder of the gospel message that the only reason we're able to meet here today, come before you and worship, is because of what Christ has done for us. That he suffered the wrath of God so that I am spared that penalty, that he died on my stead. What I deserved was put upon our Lord and Savior. So we thank you for the truth of that, that wonderful song. Let it remind us of the debt of gratitude that we owe to God for what Jesus has done for us. And as we look into the word and and understand more about our responsibility as God's people, we ask that you would open our hearts, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what we need to, to see and hear from the scriptures, and that we would not just uh, read this and turn away, but that we would be affected and changed by it, that you would help us to use the message of the word of God this morning to change us and conform us into the image of our Savior, the one who did die for us, the one whose wonderful message of saving, uh, saving activity on our behalf we just sung about. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. So picture this, this situation, and for some of you it may have happened more recently than for others. You're driving your car and in the back seat you have a couple of young, young children And you hear some, like, little murmuring going on. And after a while, the children are, like, poking one another. And like, stop, stop, eh, stop. And then, eventually, comes the the cry for help. Daddy, tell him to stop. Or tell her to stop. And and maybe if you think back a little further in your life, you may have been one of those people (laughs) poking or getting poked and either being the cause of or crying out for help to stop this harassment. Well, we, we know what it's like to be harassed and to be bothered. And, and i sure that's happened to us in the back, seat of, back seats of cars and other places. Well, the, the text that we're going to look at today is ratcheting up several levels what it is to be harassed and bothered and calling out to a God, calling out to, a, calling out to somebody that we believe can change that situation. When your kid calls out to you from the back seat of the car, they're calling out to somebody that can change the situation one way or another, either by their, their voice or saying, now you stop that or I'm going to turn this car around right now or whatever vain threats were, were mentioned at that point. Well, when, when we read this passage in Second Corinthians chapter 12, we see the same situation. The Apostle Paul was in a terrible, distressful, harassing, beaten down situation, and he was calling on the one that he knew could help him in this state. So our, our title for the morning's message is A Thorny Problem When God Says No to Our Prayers. And this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll be reading from verses 7 through 10. So I'd invite you, invite you to turn there with me, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As you're turning there, we, we just can't pick up these verses without giving some background on how we got to this point in the passage. The entire book of 2 Corinthians is a large-scale demonstration to the Corinthian church that Paul has the authority of apostleship to uh, to tell them and to give them God's message for the church. And during the time when Paul was ministering to the church at Corinth, there were other people who thought that that maybe Paul wasn't the kind of an apostle that they should follow for one reason or another. Uh, One of the reasons was the way Paul looked. Some people would say, well, Paul doesn't look like an apostle. And when we read some descriptions of what Paul supposedly looked like by those who wrote at that time, maybe we would agree. I don't know what you picture what Paul would have looked like walking down the aisle, taking up the the pulpit here if he were preaching. But the description of Paul is of a a short, bald-headed, kind of stoop-shouldered, large-nosed, bow-legged guy. So I don't know who you pictured walking up to the pulpit, but I don't know if you pictured somebody walking up like this. You know, maybe with some speech problems, is that what he says himself, he's not able to speak very well, getting ready to minister the word of God. Not a very imposing picture of an apostle. Not a very imposing picture of a man of God. And some of these other, other false apostles that were trying to make a name for themselves were certainly, they certainly had the look and they had the demeanor of somebody that was uh, on, on God's call and on God's mission. Paul was also trying to state that even though he may have had life experiences that that seemed that his ministry was not going forward, life experiences such as being stoned, being beaten, being imprisoned, being shipwrecked, having one problem after another after another in ministry, that this was all serving God's purpose to further the gospel in one way or another. So these these other apostles were saying that because they were successful, God was with them. Paul is saying, because of the very fact that or those other apostles were were using success in their terms. What Paul is saying: these very things that have happened to me show the effect of the gospel ministry in my life. So Second Corinthians is a, is one argument that Paul gives after another after another, showing that he has a God given ministry to the church. And as we come into chapter twelve of Second Corinthians. Paul is showing another, uh, giving another reason why he has credentials of an apostle. And one of those is that he was given certain privileges, certain, certain blessings of having a vision of the heavenly realms that none of us have ever had before. It was a, a confirming factor on, on Paul's behalf. And you, somebody might think, with all of these, all this heavy responsibility and affirmation of God, that. That, that maybe they're going to start thinking a little more of themselves than they should. Well, because of that, we start with verse 7. So read along with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. then I am strong. Probably a familiar passage to some of us. Um, one of the reasons that I believe I should be speaking on this passage, I'll make a little, more, uh, I'll make a little clearer later in the message. But immediate, the immediate need, the immediate relevancy of this is because we all pray, don't we? And we all have issues in life that we call on to pray for ourselves, and we call on for others to pray for. One of the examples of that is on our Wednesday night uh, prayer time. Every week we put out a Wednesday night prayer sheet where there are needs of the church and the programming that's happening in the next week or near future. There's a section on missions needs. Uh, We've seen our face in there sometimes for missions needs. And on the inside flap under these prayer requests for the one that, that I had available to me right here, 18 different prayer requests, most of those related to the needs that we have, physical needs, physical problems we find ourselves suffering. Well, how do we pray for those times when we're suffering physically as well as some other needs and some other areas uh, in our lives that need uh, intercessory work on behalf of the church? Well, it's because of the, 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 the Wednesday night prayer List that we see regularly because of the the yellow cards that are filled out that the elders pray over on tuesday mornings uh it would be i thought it'd be good to maybe have a meeting of the minds here about what happens when life is harassing us so much that we call on others to pray how is it what kind of clues do we have on how to pray in such a in such a situation as this so when we look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to bring out five prayer perspectives related from this uh, related from this perspective uh, related from this passage. Five prayer perspectives. And the first one is the reality of the problem. The reality of the problem. Paul says and he calls this problem a thorn in the flesh. And uh, any, anyone ever do gardening or you walking through the woods you get a thorn stuck in you yeah, it's kind of, it 's a little bit irritating. well how would you like something stuck in there permanently? so what, what Paul means is a thorn in the flesh is something that 's always there. you wake, uh, you wake up in the morning and either the problem itself or the results of that problem or the or the pending anticipation of that problem is there. You go to bed at night that problem is still there, so that that thorn in the flesh is a, a harassment, sometimes even a debilitating harassment that we encounter regularly and often and will not leave. There are some different interpretations as to what that thorn could have been for Paul. Um, I've seen some writings where they spend more time trying to say what the thorn was rather than dealing with the real purposes of the passage behind it. But briefly, there are some, several things that it could have been in Paul's life. One is some kind of body, body ailment, some kind of sickness or infirmity. In some other of his writings, it may be that he, his eyesight wasn't very good or he had problems in that direction. Another possibility is that it may have been some kind of opposition from sinful men or from people that were trying to uh, oppose the gospel and that wherever Paul went, wherever he preached, there was always somebody there opposing him, sneering at him, saying, what this man is saying isn't so, or has God really said what Paul is trying to say? So it could have been people that were interfering in in the ministry that Paul was trying to accomplish. It could have been some kind of temptation that Paul was susceptible to. You know, some of us are tempted in one area more than another. And maybe Paul had, a, had one situation, one area in his life that he was more susceptible to in that place. It could have been some spiritual trial that he was going through. It could be a combination of these. The point is, we're not told the particular. We don't know what it is. But I think some of us have lived long enough to know what it means to have a thorn in the flesh. That ongoing, problematic situation in life that's always on our mind or always reminded whenever we walk somewhere, have to get out of bed or fill out our checkbook. We have all kinds of thorns. We have sicknesses, chronic fatigue and afflictions of the body. Financial problems that just won't go away. We just can't get over the hump of some of the financial needs and bills that always seem to be coming up. And We we settle one issue and it looks like everything is clear and then comes another problem of the car breaking down or a hospital visit or something that just seems to continually be a financial issue. We go to bed thinking about it. We wake up in the morning and it's still there. It could be some adversarial relationships at work or at school. It could be that the thorn in the flesh is the person that you sleep next to in bed. And that's a real problem, isn't it? Or it could be, or you could be their thorn in the flesh. Yeah, let's just be honest there too. So it could be a person. And, and just the, when, when you think about having to, to confront them or deal with them, you think, oh, I know how this is going to go and it's not going to be pleasant. Just that constant irritation, debilitating, overwhelming sensitive. This were removed, my life would be so much easier. It could be some kind of an addiction that we have. Either an addiction that people can see or maybe sometimes an addiction that people don't, don't know about. I think we get the problem. or I think we get the idea that there's a reality of the problem that Paul had and we share that same kind of a reality. And when I, when I consider some of the needs that are mentioned over and over on the prayer request sheet. These are, in many cases, thorns in the flesh. We have people in the church right now that have had ongoing, long-standing physical problems, family problems, life problems. And they, they wear on us, don't they? So that's the reality that not only Paul, but we all go through these things. Now, what's different, what we have in this passage that we don't have in our life is a reason for the problem. And Paul very clearly knew the reason that he had this thorn in the flesh. Look at verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Two times it says what the reason is for this, this thorn, this ongoing problem, and that was to keep Paul humble. He had this tremendous ministry, he had this tremendous, uh, th- th- this tremendous success of seeing the church grow through the opportunities that God has given him and to keep him from being too full of himself, he has this, this ongoing thorn in the flesh, this ongoing harassment to remind him that it's not all about himself. We need to be aware that it's not all about us. And even the successes that we've had, and some of us may not have success in ministry like Paul had, but we have business success and we have education success. Some of us have tremendous business acumen. We've built large portfolios, uh, financial portfolios, because of our ability. And we have have so many capabilities uh, amongst ourselves that we may forget that God is the one who brings these things to pass. And we start forgetting God. So in Paul's case, he's had so much spiritual activity that he was, uh, that he was privileged to, to be a part of that in order to keep from thinking it was too much about him, this, this pain, whatever it was, this pain was a regular daily reminder to not be conceited. Now, not every sickness and not every problem that we have is related to this purpose. If, you have, if there's something going on in your life, none of us can say that this is, God is doing this to keep you humble. As, as sure as the purpose that Paul is saying here. But we can say, without any uh, contradiction of Scripture, that if you are enduring anything right now that is difficult... It is a humbling experience, and it sends us toward God. Whether that is the ultimate purpose or the final purpose or not, for any problem that we're enduring right now, we can say that every time we are in a place of need, it should be driving us toward God, reminding us of our, uh, 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 of our inability to accomplish any of these activities on our own, to overcome problems on our own strength and power, but instead driving us toward God. So, lest there be any time for us to exalt self and forget God, we have these these ongoing issues. So, the reality of the problem, these things exist. The reason for the problem, it brings uh, brings us to a sense of dependency on God. But then we have the regular prayer about the problem. And for some of us that have been enduring one of these kinds of thorns in the flesh over and over, we pray to God regularly, don't we? And this is not one of these tacked on prayers. Paul says in his words, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. It's not one of those cases where we say, and, and bless this food to our body, and help me with my thorn in the flesh, amen. Yeah, this, is a, this is a pleading. Daddy, make him stop kind of a pleading. So Paul is saying to God, God, can you make this stop? He's, he's invested in this, isn't he? It's not just a prayer, but it's a begging. And he's not just doing it one time and saying, oh, well, God didn't answer. It's over and over. And I have a suspicion that the three times is not limited to only three. It's saying it's a, it's a regular occurrence in his life. And I wonder how many of us have the same situation where we've pleaded with God over and over and over and over for our thorn to be removed, for our back problems to be gone, for our financial problems to be settled, for this relationship issue to be completed in a different way, to not cause such grief and strife. And we plead over and over for these things to be changed and yet they're not changed they go back again to either the the prayer requests some of them we've been praying for for months or even the the bulletin from today we have we have people that we're praying for for months and the answer is not to take away that pain or that problem there's going to be a a different answer but the reason that we look only in one direction, we look for a healing or we look for a, a, a removal of the problem because as a society, and this shouldn't be a surprise, but as a society, we try to avoid, uh, avoid pain, we avoid conflict, we avoid displeasure and seek comfort and leisure and ease. And therefore, we pray in that direction. Because if if we're conditioned to seek comfort and leisure and ease and avoidance of pain, obviously that's how we're going to pray and that's how we believe God should answer our prayers. But God has something else in store. We We are a people of problem avoidance. Instead of confronting it, we want the problem to go away. There's a a joke that illustrates that. Here's another one of these kind of preacher jokes. So there's this guy that was sailing, sailing along, he runs into problems, and his boat runs aground on a deserted island. So he spends years and years and years on this deserted island wondering if he's ever going to be rescued or not. But in the course of time, he builds a life for himself. Uh, and finally, after a long number of years, a smoke signal that he sets up every day is seen by a boat, and, a, and, a, and a, another boat, and it comes to rescue him. And as his rescuers come to the island, this man wants to show the, the life that he set up for himself to his rescuers before being taken off and, and back to civilization. So he, so he takes these people to his, his compound, and he says, here's the, here's the house that I built for myself, and I tried to, I tried to do a good job with it. Over here, this is my, 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 I found some wild goats. Here's my goat pen where I raised some goats and got goat milk. And here's my water purifier over here. Um, and then he said, spirituality is very important to me. So here's, here's a grass hut. And on the top of the grass hut was a cross. He said, this, this, is, this is where I would go to church. I don't know there's nobody else here, but this is where I would go to church because it's really, really important to me. So, there, so the rescuers are looking around and some of them notice about 50 yards or so down the path, there's another grass hut with a cross on it. So they said, well, if this is your church over here, what's that grass hut with the cross on it over there? And the man said, oh, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> because we, because, and we, we get that same, that, that same mentality here, is that instead of confronting issues, we avoid them. And w- when we, we bring that into our prayer life, that instead of asking God, we're going to see the how this works itself out here instead of asking God to help us in this problem we want him to remove the problem because in our mind just like leaving, if we have a problem in one church let's just go to another one if we have a problem with this person let's leave them and go to another one we affect the same uh, affect the same requests in our prayer so we understand what it means to have regular ongoing prayer about the problem And, and in Paul's case this was not selfish this wasn't something that was for His own own glory. He probably said, and if we listen to Him pray, Lord, if You would remove this storm from my flesh, I would be so much more effective for You. If You would remove this, this problem that is getting me bothered every waking moment, if You remove this from me, how much more effective could I be in ministering for You? It sounds like a no-brainer, right? The problem is, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. And our ways of looking at life are not God's ways of looking at life. So when when Paul prayed this, here's the the answer that he gets is a refocused answer to the problem. Verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's God's answer. Did God heal Paul? here's, Here's what I want you to do. This way, moving your head this way is yes. Moving your head this way is no. Okay, that's the intergalactic symbol for no, right there. So, did God heal Paul? I see see some heads going like this. Some people are still wondering what I'm asking. No, God God did not heal. Did God answer Paul? Yes, he did. Paul was answered. Did Paul get what he asked for? No. No. He said, oops, that's Okay. Answering is as good as shaking. You're emphatic about it. That's fine. So we, we need to refocus the answer that we're expecting for our prayers. And this may be one of the reasons why we do get disappointed with God sometimes, isn't it? Because we pray over and over and over and over and God did not answer my prayer. Well, yes, He did. He just didn't answer it the way that we wanted God to answer our prayer. So God's answer is No. To Paul, to his to his request to remove the thorn, and sometimes, and we really need to embrace this truth. Sometimes, God willingly chooses not to remove our difficulties. God chooses to uh, to maintain those difficulties, those thorns in the flesh, for His purposes. And if we can embrace that, and by embrace I mean not just Intellectually assenting to the fact that, yeah, God is able to do that. But believing it as a truth, that sometimes for our good, God allows us to continue in our difficulties, our pain, and our problems, so that, as he says, my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect or complete or mature in weakness. We get so focused on pray for healing for this, pray for healing for that, pray for healing for the other thing, pray that this will be removed, pray that, I will be, uh, pray that this situation will no longer happen. And we can, we, you know, that, that's a valid prayer, isn't it? We can pray for these things to be removed, but we have to allow for the fact that God definitely has a greater work to do in our life than the removal of an individual problem. And the more we come to grips with that truth, the better able, we're, we're, the better able we can pray and say, as Paul, could, as Paul will say later on, for the sake of Christ, them I am content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. It's not always God's will to heal. And I think we understand that, and I think we've seen... Numbers of people that we prayed for continue on to the end of their life with a similar problem. That's just truth in labeling. We've seen that. It's not always God's will to heal. And if you ask for a prayer for healing, we can pray for it. Not, uh, and to be honest, we tack on at the end, Lord, if it's your will, do this. However we can read this passage and say absolutely, for sure, 100% definitely, it is always God's will to lavish his grace on us and to supply us with strength to get through the difficulty. That one is for sure, no-brainer, consistent theology. That no matter what situation we're going through, what we can guarantee is that God's grace is sufficient if we're going to open ourselves up and allow that to be his answer. God's strength is provided to get through the situation if that's what we're looking for. So there's a refocused answer. So sometimes we, we, we wonder why we're not healed or we wonder why God didn't answer according to the way that we asked. And then we start thinking, hmm, do I need to, do I need to pray more? Let me say, I prayed for, I pray for this Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Maybe I need to pray for it every day. Maybe I need to pray for it twice a day. Maybe I need more faith. Maybe I need to fast. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to get 50 other people praying with me for this. Maybe I need to put it on Facebook and ask other people to pray for it with me. And I can get, 2,000 of my friends at the same time to do this. And, and we start wondering if there's more that we can do, different ways that we can perform so that God will grant the request that we're asking. When really, at the end of the day, God is saying, open yourself up to my grace and strength, and you have it. That's why God says to Paul, he responds to Paul, my, my grace is sufficient. He said, what, what you need most Paul is not the removal of, my th- of of that thorn. what you need most, Paul, is my grace. My strength, my power is made complete when you understand your weakness. then you know what I can do in your life above and beyond any physical problem that you 're having at the moment. One of the reasons i'm uh, i 'm bringing this uh, uh, this passage this morning Is related to the ordination council That, uh, that was referred to earlier on Pastor Everett referred to it um, That on Thursday During the ordination council I was examined by some of the pastors in the area By the elders of the church here And I don't know if you realize what goes on At an ordination council meeting But the person stands up And, and the pastors are able to ask questions Assess your understanding of theology And understanding of ministry and, and how, how God is working on you in that direction. And one of the questions that, that was asked to me in the ordination council was, as a missionary, how have you seen the scriptures sufficient in your life? Great question. I mean, that's a wonderful question. And as I was thinking through how that... Uh, That manifested itself How God used the scriptures To show the sufficiency in my life I was brought back to the first Couple months that we served in Nigeria We went to Nigeria in July of 2001 Very shortly after that There were some horrific riots Happening in the town that we were living in In Kano, Nigeria And during those riots, where missionaries, I mean, green, green, fresh missionaries, you know, certainly not people that have been there for a long time, during those riots, I'm looking out on, on the horizon and there's smoke rising up from burning buildings that are about a half mile away. I mean, you can, I could can walk to those in, in a few minutes. Down another side of the road, I hear machine gun fire, like, you know, every now and then, and I can smell a little bit of the wafting of tear gas where some of the police tried to disperse some of the crowds. And, and during that time, where I should have been panicked, I should have been saying, how can we get out of here? What do we have to do? How can we be safe? There was a calmness that was there. God's, God's grace was provided. You can't store that up ahead of time. You can't Prepare yourself for enduring those difficulties until you allow God to minister at that time to show His grace. And even during, that, during the, the gunfire that was going off, my kids are playing soccer in the yard, and I'm thinking, everyone's at peace. My, my other thought is, this is really messed up. I should be like really worried about this, but I'm not. But, but my kids are playing in the yard, and these things are going on, and there's a confidence in the way that God is working through things. You know, several people, hundreds, died in that riot, and it was not a good situation to be in. But during that time, we experienced the grace of God that was needed at that point. His grace was sufficient, not my own plans and 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 ways to avoid the difficulty because we were in the difficulty. But God showed His grace, and as I, uh, th- that was one of the one of the answers to that question at the ordination council. Uh, And then I was reflecting at other times how God did show His grace during times of sickness, during times of difficulties. And you can't can't get it ahead of time, and you can't understand His strength to get through things until you go through it, and it would be nice to have an injection or a pill or something we can take that automatically helps us understand and appreciate God's grace and strength. But really, the only way to, to get stronger is to go through difficulties such as what Paul was going through here. Later on, if you read through more of 2 Corinthians, you see other things that Paul endured. Shipwreck here, driven from cities, people, uh, people trying to sabotage his ministry. He went over and over and over it again. And what he realized is that it was all worth it to experience what Christ has for him. So the fifth perspective on prayer is requesting a different outcome for the problem. Along with your prayer for healing of an infirmity, removal of a situation, we need to open ourselves up to request a different outcome which is to know God's grace and strength. Paul says, I will... Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I think after Paul was confronted with this, his prayer changed from, Oh God, remove this thorn to, Oh God, show your power in me through this. That Paul's prayer changed from, Lord, deliver me from this to, Lord, help me be content in this. Because as, as difficult as it is to go through a physical problem or an emotional problem or a spiritual problem or a relational problem, one of the things that will, that will ruin us is a lack of contentment with our situation. If every morning we wake up complaining to God because of what He's not taking away from me, and if every, evening we, every night we go to bed complaining about what God has not done for us, that's going to make us discontent. We're going to look like we're sucking on lemons all the time because we're never happy, never content with what's going on, always wondering what more can there be in my life. And as a result, we're debilitated, even more so than any of the physical problems that we're suffering. So Paul's prayer would have to change then to, Lord, help me be content." You can still pray for the removal. You can still pray for the difficulty. Still pray. And, and, and it may be God's, God's desire to take that, that harassment, that thorn in the flesh away. It could be. We have to be prepared for the fact that it may not be. But we can always ask. And God is willing to grant a grace and a strength to help us be content with what we're going through. So that's our our a request of a different outcome for the problem. What Paul prays is no different than the way we pray. Lord, remove the thorn. But what Paul realized is no different than what we should also realize is that God's grace is sufficient. And if he hasn't brought, if he has not removed that thorn, if that situation still persists, it's not that we have to pray harder or longer or more fervently but it's that we need to ask God to, let, to show us how his grace is enough for the situation. And if anybody has enough grace to handle the situation, it's God, the giver of all grace, the giver of all strength to help us through it. So after seeing these perspectives on prayer, how, how does this help us? What can we do with this? Where do, we, where do we go from here? And I'd like to suggest three ways that this will help us in our prayer requests and help us in our praying. And one is to pray knowingly. What I mean by praying knowingly is it's not, uh, it's not all about our comfort. It's about what God wants to do in us long term. And God's long term plans for us supersede His short term plans for us. Because we get so focused on the immediate and, and truly, if we're enduring pain day after day after day, what we want is a break, isn't it? We want want some relief, and we get focused on on the, the 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 need of the hour. But we also need to consider, as we pray knowingly, that God has longer term plans for us, eternal plans for us, where the strengthening of the soul is going to be of much more value for all of eternity. Good news is, one day there will be no more thorns in the flesh. One day, and for some of us, that day is closer than for others. that that will not be the situation anymore. But for eternity, we're going to have the soul that we have. And that's what God wants to strengthen. And and, and as we conform to the image of His Son, that's what's going to give us a a longer and lasting value. So we need to pray knowingly that God has other plans for us beyond removal of the difficulty that we're going through. Second is we should request selflessly to keep Christ at the center of of the reasoning for our request One of the privileges that we have as Christians Is to be able to pray in Jesus' name That's not a, a magic formula To add on to the end of a prayer So that we get what we want It's like, Lord, remove this, thorn, remove this problem for me In Jesus' name There, I said that there I covered all my bases To pray in Jesus' name Is to pray with His authority For the things that He would pray for To pray in agreement with what Jesus would ask for So as we pray in Jesus' name, that's a privilege we have of lining our prayers up with what our Savior would pray for. And as we pray for those things that matter to Christ and that He would pray for, that gets us a little off of ourselves. And it is completely in Jesus' name for God to shower His grace and strength and give a heart of contentment even in the midst of uh, of situations that the rest of the world would say we have no reason to be, no reason to be peaceful in. So it helps us to, to request selflessly. And third is it helps us to receive expectantly. To receive not necessarily a removal of our problem. God may do that. And there's some, there are some people here that are medical marvels. People that have stumped the doctors, beat the odds, made tests look like uh, like kindergarten predictions because you've beaten them and you've, you've survived something, got through something, were healed from something that seems, in this life, impossible to do. That's, that's not the expectation. I, it, it would be great if there were a different answer to that. It sure would help our marketing, wouldn't it, if we were Christians? Come to Christ, get all your problems healed. Wow, this, this, you, we'd have to build seven sanctuaries for all the people that would want to be part of that. But in God's wisdom, that's not the way that he's doing it. But what he says is, receive his grace and sufficiency and his strength to get through these problems without end, without limit. And as we expand our prayers... To not just uh, pray if, if Mr. X has surgery on Y part of the body and to have Z uh, healing done for it. That's not the end. That's not even what we should expect as the final outcome. The final outcome is to know God and to experience His grace. Here's a, here's a little thought experiment related to these. Would you trade today? And fortunately, it's only a thought experiment. You don't really have to do this, but would you trade today your health in order to know God better? I mean, if you were, if for some reason something you know, your your some part of your your healthy existence, would you trade that if it meant that you would know God better? Or try this one: What about your bank account or your 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 uh, CD portfolio? Would you trade that? Would you be willing to endure financial difficulty if it meant that you would know God better and experience His grace to a greater degree and understood what His strength means in your life? See, see now I quit preaching and got to meddling. There. Things changed, didn't it? So fortunately, we don't have to sign on a paper and and sign that away. And God God doesn't present that choice to us physically but how much we believe this to be true is evidenced by what we would hold on to at the expense of knowing God better. So there are some profound implications as we consider this passage. Many of us have read this before. We may even have, have... one of these verses cross-stitched on something hanging on our wall somewhere or, or something like that. My grace is sufficient for you. That, that looks like a really good one uh, to put on the wall. But we, we need to buy into the rest of it. And that means understanding what God has promised to do and what He may do. So as we continue to pray about our needs and as we continue to pray for one another's needs, let's keep this in mind that God has a, a huge end game for us the likes of which we can't even fathom because it's to, to experience his grace and strength for all of eternity starting now so we can uh, we can start practicing this even immediately as we pray consider our own needs the needs of our family and the needs of the church so as God as God brings it to pass We look forward to seeing people with stories of of physical well-being after God has touched their bodies. But I hope that we can see even more results of God's people strengthened and spiritually moved in a way because we prayed that God would show His grace and strength in people in times of need.